Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And if you're watching on YouTube, we're glad that you're here. If, if you're here and you were here yesterday, I started a message entitled 20 Things You Should Know About Satan, Demons, and Effective Spiritual Warfare. 20 Things You Should Know About Satan, Demons, and Effective Spiritual Warfare. And we only got through one yesterday, which is demon spirits are not to be ignored. I'm going to say a lot of things that make cut cross grain of what some teach about spiritual warfare, but I wanted to make the number one point that it's not to be ignored. Demons are real. Demon spirits are real. But God gave his church dominion over all the power of the devil. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I said effective spiritual warfare. I think one of the points I'm going to cover practical spiritual warfare, which is how Jesus, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it'd be worth saying twice anyway. How Jesus dealt with the devil was never, and I want everybody to catch this. I know it's right in the beginning. But it was never in the ethereal realm. You don't see anything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus has an acoustic guitar on Big Bear Mountain singing prophetic worship over the principality that's over California. You don't, you don't see anything where it's being done, we're pulling down strongholds. Demon spirits were always dealt with in an individual by healing the sick and casting out devils. So when we talk about spiritual, now, and again, I I can see by the look, some of you look like you got hit in the forehead with a wiffle ball bat. But uh, if you want to look in your own time, that's true. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts, uh, you don't see any kind of arm motions or flag waving or shofar blowing to take authority over demon spirits. You see demons being cast out of people actual human beings, and sick people being healed, and then that brought the breakthrough uh, uh, in, the, in Satan's power because sickness and disease is demonic in nature. The Bible says in Job 2.7, then Satan went forth from the presence of God and smote Job with boils. Luke 13, Jesus healed the crippled woman who had been bent double for 18 years. Jesus said, why should this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, have to suffer one more day. Then Acts 10.38, no doubt you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing and healing, who were oppressed by, for God was with them. So the Acts 10.38 notes that every person Jesus healed was a victim of satanic oppression. You have Satan's, it's not, not God. Why did God make Job sick then? God didn't make Job sick. Then Satan went forth from the presence of God and smote Job with boils. Luke 13, that woman was bound by the devil, and Jesus loosed her, unwrapped her. And that's what we're called to do, both as ministers of the gospels, of the gospel and believers, is to untie and loose people from Satan's control. One of the reasons I'm motivated to teach on this is it bothers me how many young people and people in general have a real zeal to serve the Lord and to do something for God. And then wrong teaching misdirects them to do something where they're expending a lot of energy, but they're not actually doing anything. And then, and I'm getting ahead of myself again. 
shouldn't have looked over my notes before I got up to speak because now, now it's coming out in reverse order. But uh, I talked to an older pastor who's a good guy. He's from California, uh, Northern California. I talked to him a couple months ago. And he was saying how he spoke at this church and all their women were having miscarriages and problem pregnancies. So he said, I felt quickened as the pastor. What, what's going on? What kind of ministries does your church have? He said, well, the women of our church started a group where they go down to the Planned Parenthood and they march around the Planned Parenthood and take authority over that demon. Well, he said, you need to have them quit doing that because that's not in the Bible of how you deal with the devil. If you're going to deal with the devil, you need to do it on scriptural bounds or you're going to get in trouble. You can't march around a place and start praying in tongues over a Planned Parenthood. First of all, it's trespassing. Can you say amen? Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's not going over well, but it needs to go over because that, that's what people do. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and find uh, strip clubs and Planned Parenthoods and satanic places and march around and pray in tongues. He said go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Announce that the coming of Jesus is near. Freely you've received and freely give. So what happens is you got this one group of Christians that doesn't even believe in, in the supernatural or the Holy Ghost. And so then they're off the sideline. Then you have this other group that believes in it. But bad leadership misdirects them to start doing stuff like that. Or we're going to climb to the top of... If this has happened, I'm just, I, I just got here. I've never heard it. I haven't been following. So somebody did this. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm looking to pick on everybody. I'm an equal opportunity offender. But... You know, I've been, I've been in Christianity my whole life and charismatic and Pentecostal Christianity. And I'm sure I'd be stunned if it hasn't happened. That somebody with a heart full of zeal said, we're going to take a group up to the top of Big Bear and we're bringing flags or we're going to take and communion and shofars. We're going to wave those flags and release prophetic worship for 12 hours over the San Bernardino Valley and over those spirits that are causing crime and all that. And uh, you're going to notice if you do that, you're not going to see much happen. Because that's what I call, and I want you to catch this, ethereal ministry. You know, if you want to see sick people healed, which minister is going to have more sick people healed? Somebody that calls a prayer group together on a morning like this and prays, Lord, heal the sick. We pray for the sick and sin. Wherever they are, Lord, we send your presence. Let infirmity be driven out of this city. Who's going to see more happen? The guy that does that or the guy, like an evangelist did, that came here uh, uh, a few months ago where you do media blitz and have sick people come in and pray for the sick and minister to the sick. It's very, the second one, what, what did Jesus do is a very important question to ask. Jesus wasn't removed from hurting people, sick people, demonized people in a cabin with the disciples, taking authority over Israel. Jesus went out, the Bible says in Matthew chapter nine, he taught, then preached, then healed the sick both by speaking the word to the sick, like when he rebuked the fever in Peter's mother-in-law, or by laying his hands on the sick. Not by getting on a mountain somewhere and saying, we, leprosy, the spirit that's causing leprosy in Israel, we come against thee. No, just went and preached and lepers would come to him and he'd cleanse them. So what you want is not to be the first one that denies the supernatural, and that's why I made that point one yesterday. You know, this none of, nothing I say is to be construed that I don't believe in, in spiritual warfare or, or that, that this stuff's fake. No, it's real. Uh, but you don't want to be in the second group that in trying to deal with it 
And in your zeal, you're doing things unscripturally that make no effect. You're expending a lot of energy, but nothing's happening. I was born in the 80s. In the 80s and 90s, there was a movement in Christianity where people would wear camouflage pants and military boots and black t-shirts and come to church with flags and they'd march and they'd sing. We'd sing songs to the devil. You're not going to read anything in the Bible where they sang to the devil, uh, singing in the, in the lyrics, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I'm not singing to the devil. Can you say amen? I'm singing to God. And then they'd march. And then if you criticize those people, they'd say, well, Paul said we're in a warfare. Yes. He also said we're in a race. So why don't you wear Lululemon black stretch pants and track shoes and, and a sports bra and just run around the place? No. You do things. And no offense if anyone's dressed like that today. We're not judging. It's just a, an analogy. No, we're in a warfare, but God gave us the means to deal with it. Where do you see Paul having a night of prophetic worship? Where do you see any of that? No, they went and preached the gospel, healed the sick, cast out devils, and then the next thing you see in Acts 19, people just, without anybody telling them, are going and getting their witchcraft books and dumping them in the fire. That's the ministry, to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out devils, and God's going to anoint people in this room today to give the devil a hard time. Not pretend devils, real devils in California in Jesus' mighty name. I want to show you how that warfare works. And it's an easy, it's an easy uh, way of, it's an easy mode of operation. You don't have to get all worked up and scrunch your face. Just minister the gospel and the Bible starts doing the work. This is one of the greatest testimonies we've had in our ministry. We, we've, we hit this flow um, in October of last year where we started to have major miracles. And major healings, like people that were about as good as dead, like the lady you're going to see, that got back to life. Now, she wasn't in one of my meetings. The first time I met her in a meeting was she came and asked if she could testify, which anytime somebody lifts their hand and asks if they can have the mic, I turn them down immediately. But when she did it, I felt in my spirit at least to investigate. Can I say something? I said, I said tell me outside of the mic what you wanted to, want to say. And then she told me what you're going to hear on this video, and I, and I had her come up the next night, and you're going to watch her husband cry in the background. Because when I called her up to the platform, I wasn't thinking. That was the first time she climbed steps in four and a half years. She, she was so advanced with muscular dystrophy that her muscles were completely shut down, including her diaphragm that expels carbon dioxide. So she was getting carbon dioxide poisoning from her muscles not being strong enough to exhale and getting poisoned. They had to put her on a ventilator. Ventilator, wheelchair bound, can't do anything from the, I was going to say from the neck down. They had to support her head from the neck up. And she caught me on Daystar, and how did it all flip? Hearing that God doesn't select who to heal, that you can decide it's God's will for you to be healed. What happened? The word. In fact, forget, forget Ephesians 1. Turn to 2 Corinthians 10. Don't forget it like out of your memory. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Let me, let me, anybody have a King James or New King James? Because I know it talks about strongholds there. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, 
We don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Everybody say mighty through God. Now, I want you to hear this in your own spirit. Say, I have mighty weapons at my disposal. And I'm going to get into now. I've, I've mocked what improper spiritual warfare weaponry is. I'm going to teach you on what the actual weapons are. The, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. When Satan himself, came, Satan, not a demon. You're, the devil's attacking me. I doubt it. Only three people in the Bible ever dealt with Satan personally. Eve, Job, and Jesus. Even Paul had a messenger sent from Satan to buffet him. So, but when Satan himself came to Jesus, Jesus didn't have to pray in tongues. He didn't wave flags. He didn't call for an intercessory worship team or prayer team. He said, it is written. One scripture. Devil changed the subject. It is written. Devil changed the subject. It is written. Devil said, well, I only came with three and you got me. I'll be back. And the Bible says Satan left him alone for a season. Say that with me. Say Satan left him alone for a season. Life can't be fighting all the time. And some people believe they're just in a condition. The devil's attacking. Devil's. I mean, no, when we leave this service today, that's what I grew up in. I mean, no, we're going to leave this service. Devil's going to be out there waiting for us. Is he? He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not God. He's not the evil version of God. He's a created being with limited uh, mind, very limited mind, very limited, stripped power. The Bible says Jesus stripped him of all his power. The same way I took his Bible and he has no Bible left because I took all of his Bible. I didn't take 23 of the books. I took all 66. That leaves him with no books. Jesus didn't take the devil of some of his power. He stripped him of all his power. If you're thankful for it, can you say amen? Amen. That's a good kid right there. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now it's going to go into what those strongholds are. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Isn't it interesting how on the stronghold scripture, he doesn't go into Satan or big demons that are over a city. He talks about how people in their minds have made the word of God of none effect. Jesus said, by your vain traditions, you make the word of God of none effect. You're gonna, you're gonna hear this testimony. What caused this woman's body to completely regenerate? By removing a thought that God heals some. She went to a Bible college as a teenager that taught that healing passed away, God heals who he wants. When she heard the truth and believed the truth and changed that and took that thought into captivity. That's what a lot of people that are quote unquote being attacked by demons, that's actually what they're battling. What you expect is what you experience. The expectation of the righteous will not be cut off. If you leave this meeting today and some preacher told you, like you had a different preacher. He said, well, now you've been to revival. How many know the Lord's done great things? When you go out there, the devil's going to be looking to attack. And you start expecting attack. Do you know how many evangelists like me, if they were called to go to California to preach, would be telling people two weeks beforehand, I'm going to California, Southern California, the seat of Satan in America. You know, I, I, you hear people say that. 
I believe Satan's headquarters in America, in California. Since when did he have, like, headquarters? What is this, the castle of Grayskull is in San Bernardino? <laughs> Satan can only be in one place. And he's not obsessed with Los Angeles. He's obsessed with Jerusalem. Can you say amen? That's where, that's, that's where it wants. So, you know, if you become demon-focused, expecting demonic attack, you know, what if, what if my throat got raspy on my way here? Oh, that's the devil attacking. He doesn't want me preaching in California. I knew, I knew I'd probably lose my voice during the meeting. You have Christians come up to you. I'm going to pray that God protects you. You're going right into the mouth of the lion. I've been telling people like that probably for the last four years. I don't want you praying for me. I don't like you. You're a demon-focused Christian. And demon-focused Christians invite attack because they have a wrong mindset. I didn't come to California expecting to get attacked. I came to California expecting to do the attacking and expecting to receive a blessing for obeying God walking through the open door. If you're looking for a preacher trying to get you demon-focused, you're not going to enjoy this meeting. I'm not trying to get you to expect an attack or a demon. I'm telling you to expect a miracle because the God of miracles is your God. He knows your name and he knows right where you're at. I've got a spiritual warfare scripture for you. Say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. How about always the head? Never the tail, always on top, never at the bottom. Hallelujah. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'm blessed in West Virginia. I'm blessed in Los Angeles because the blessing's not regional and the devil can't take the blessing away. God has blessed me and nobody can reverse it. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. Now, sickness is of the devil. There was none in the Garden of Eden. There won't be any in heaven. There won't be any in the New Jerusalem. And so this is, how you, this is how you do it. This is how you knock the devil out of people's lives. Go ahead and roll the testimony. Watch this and let it build your faith. My name's Tanya Smith, and I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was ordained by the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bedbound. Um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my name's Tanya Smith, and I'm from Sarasota, Florida. And I'm excited to share my testimony with you tonight because I know this was ordained by the Lord. Um, I, uh, I was born with muscular dystrophy, a rare form. There's 43 different forms. Um, and mitochondrial disease, which is a genetic defect in every cell of your body. And it progressively gets worse with age. And about 10 years ago, I became dependent on a wheelchair um, because using any energy, I would get so physically sick. And then fast forward four years ago, I was so sick that I was totally bedbound. Um, I couldn't stand up. When I did, my blood would pool in my feet, autonomic dysfunction. Um, I was in a wheelchair that would hold me up laterally and also with a headpiece to hold my head up. Um, so on IV fluids every day, also life-sustaining medication for organ function. 
So I really thought that this was the end. And pain, lots of pain, 24 hours a day with no end in sight. Um, so four years, I'm praying, you know, uh, don't know how to get out of this that I'm in. I mean, I love the Lord. I'm a Bible college graduate. I started to pray because I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't sit up for more than a couple minutes or stand for more than a couple minutes. And I said, Lord, show me the way to my healing because I can't believe that you would just pick and choose some people to be healed and not others. It doesn't make any sense to me, right? So um, I said, Lord, show me the way and show me in such a way that I can share my testimonies that others might be able to get to that same place of wholeness and healing. And... Um, I turned on Daystar on my husband's day off and we're watching and Jonathan came on. And when he came on, it ignited my spirit and my faith in such a way that I knew that I was hearing the message in a different way, in a new way that I hadn't heard before. It wasn't as the world preaches, but as God, <laughs> thank you. But as God's word teaches, right? And Jonathan showed me that, you know, it's not... Um, Oh, well, if it's God's will, it is God's will for me to be well. I have been healed. So, so I started praying a little differently, and I started telling myself, I have been healed. I am healed. I am whole. And I kept putting God's word in, and I started listening to Jonathan's teaching every day and every night because I could not get enough because I knew that there was truth in the way that he was preaching. And so I said, you know, my body all of a sudden my body started to line up. I started getting stronger. And I noticed that um, one day I was standing up in the kitchen for more than like three minutes. And I was like, this is new. Like, I don't have to go sit down. This is great. And um, so I came across Jonathan on day start in August, beginning of August. So the beginning of September, I started to get some strength and it was up off my bed, sick bed. So, um, so August... So September, um, September 19th it was, I went to my muscular dystrophy clinic appointment because I've been a muscular dystrophy patient for years and years, and I've gone to the same clinic for 16 years and progressively gotten weaker and weaker and sicker and sicker. And, you know, there is no cure by man. Um, so it was really a death sentence. I had made out my will. Um, I was that horribly sick. And um, when I went in, I knew that I had gained some strength, but I didn't expect what was coming because the occupational therapist came in. You see a team of people. She checked my shoulders and my hips, which were always weak, and she said, they're five plus. And I said, I don't know what that means. I never heard five plus. That's perfect muscle strength. Thank you. I left out that I was also on a ventilator. <laughs> because my diaphragm was so weak that I couldn't take in enough oxygen and I was being poisoned by CO2. So not only IV fluids in a wheelchair, but on a ventilator. Um, so the respiratory team comes in and they do their tests and they said, your respiratory function is above anything that we can imagine. We're <laughs> they said, they said, we are going to recommend that your doctor take you off your ventilator. Is that okay with you? I said, yes, absolutely. 
so they, um, they send the doctor in. She does all of her tests with my legs and all my other function and says, everything is five plus. We sat there with so much joy on our face. I said, Jesus, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They got saved, and then when they got saved, they wanted prayer, which was a shock to me. And then I prayed for one. You know, I never preached on healing. I preached the straight salvation message. Lady came up, she said, I have leukemia in my blood. Will you pray for me? I finished praying for her, and there were three other people lined up, bikers, who just got saved. So I prayed for them, and then there was a bunch, like 20. So I had everybody line up in a line. There were no catchers, because we weren't playing for it. So I laid hands, and I, you know, they don't know anything about falling under the power. I prayed, the third guy I prayed for, when I touched his head, he shot out off his feet into the grass, and on the way down, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. See, you shouldn't say that. I'm quoting him, all right? All right? That's what he said. If I said anything else, I'd be lying. Laying on the, in the grass, having, having asked people what happened. When people start coming back, that's the great thing about being at a place for a week. Then they, then they come back and tell you what happened. Everybody say, everybody say practical, effective, Spiritual warfare. Watch this testimony. I came last night and I felt so good. And then today I haven't eaten, like I can't eat. Four years of this pain and throwing up, <laughs> throwing up and, and I'm skinny, you know, um, but I ate two meals today. I've had some juice. I've had a whole bunch of stuff. Everybody's like, are you okay? Why are you eating? This is for real. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I came to Sturgis to hang out, buy bike parts. Then I found Jesus, and it's a whole different thing here, right? <laughs> God is way bigger than anything, and I know for a fact today, in my heart, we got lots of medical doctors. But there's only one big physician, only one, only one, and he's the only one that can do it. And he, I don't got it anymore. Like, I don't know where it went. I've eaten today. I, I ate part of my boyfriend's burger. <laughs> I don't, there's no other explanation. There's really just not. Yes, I just believed it. And it happened. Like, you, I've never felt like this in my life. Never. I'm telling you, I'm healed. I, Almost can't wrap my own head around it at the, because it's so four years not eating. Yeah. I'm drinking Insure for old people, right? I can't eat. I've had a whole me. Praise God. God is good. I don't know what else to say. No, just say God is good. God is amazingly good. He's my physician right now, right? He's mine. There's some doctors give me some guidance, but I, I'm going to go to the big physician from now on because that's... That's where it's at. That's where I gotta be. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Can you give Jesus a great big hand clap again? How many of you are catching a whiff of what, what I'm, I'm trying to get you over on? Now, what if instead of preaching, what if we went to Sturgis with a group of intercessors and just marched around Sturgis? Take authority over all this marijuana smoking that's going on and sexual immorality. People don't get saved by praying, they get saved through preaching. You can pray first, but to power up, like a video game character tapping the A button to build the, the, the but then you got to throw a punch. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Prayer without preaching is like C4 without a detonator. The preaching's the detonator. So you do, we have daily prayer at our church, uh, Tuesday through Friday, one hour. We, had, we just had prayer 
and preaching, 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. We do that three times a month. One night's all night till 6. If you think I'm knocking prayer, but if you do intercession without preaching, you're wasting your time. The Bible says in Acts chapter, oh, getting quiet. Acts chapter 4, the Bible says they prayed till the building shook. Then what'd they do? They were, if they were in California or America, they'd have come back in night two and tried to get the building to shake again. They'd have called it the building shaking revival. No, after the building shook, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they went everywhere and preached. Even when they prayed, Lord, stretch forth your hand with signs and wonders. They preached. Then the Bible says that they laid the sick at the feet of the apostles that perchance Peter's shadow might fall across them. And the apostles, by the hands of the apostles, were many signs and wonders done. All the things they were asking God to do was with the understanding that he was going to stretch forth his hand with signs and wonders through them. It's not going to take, Lord, send angels into San Francisco. No, God's apparently going, I didn't tell angels to go into all the world. I told you to go into all the world. And when you do, when you go and do what I tell you to do, I'll back you with signs and wonders. Can I tell you something? This end time California church, signs and wonders will be the order of the day. Signs and wonders in Las Vegas. Signs and wonders in San Bernardino. Signs and wonders in Sacramento. God has an end time church full of power and you're part of that church in Jesus' name. One more scripture before I attempt to get into the point two. Numbers 23, verse 19. This is a great spiritual warfare and this is old covenant. God is, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man so he does not lie. He's not human, so he doesn't change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I've received a command to bless. God has blessed. This is a, a, a guy that was hired by supernatural power to curse God's children. And he had to come back and tell the guy who hired him, God has blessed, and I have no power to reverse it. I can't do it. These people aren't curseable. He's not done. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. Not defeat. Misfortune. I don't, even, I don't even believe for flat tires or anything. Crackling sound systems. No. Everybody say no misfortune. What would you do if after today the last defeat that you ever saw was the last one you ever see? From glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. See, people believe, and that, that's why we read 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3, and 4, about changing your mind. People believe and speak the wrong thing. What if I listened to church growth stuff when we started our church 17 months ago? Well, church is kind of in decline right now, and people aren't coming to church, and they're afraid of COVID. No, if you watched me, month three, I started titling everything on the road to 1,000. We're going to hit 1,000 with 31 people in a prayer meeting. We're going to be at 1,000. Then on Easter, we hit 771. And then we broke 1,000 uh, September, the, the ninth month of the church. So my faith was at 77.1% in March, but I got it up to 100%. Actually, that day that that church service started, we had 700 and some in attendance, which tied our record, however much we had. And then people just kept coming in waves until they flashed me on the screen, 1053. And if you watch that service... I laid down on the ground and just, and just started thanking God because my goal was to hit 1,000 uh, like the next year sometime. My goal was to hit 700 again in September, and it, and it surpassed that. Why? I refused to believe. 
that were in a decline. And the churches, you know, the devil, this is his time. This is not the devil's time. I said, this is not the devil's time. This is your time. This is the hour of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say, no misfortune. No misfortune is in his plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. Everybody say, no trouble. Say this nice and loud. I'm, say, I'm not here to receive trouble. I'm here to make trouble. Say trouble for the devil. If you get in an attacking mindset instead of a defense mindset and you're know, get, getting free and under generational curse and how many of you need a breakthrough tonight? And every hand goes up. Why? Why does everybody need a breakthrough? We're not called to need breakthrough. We're called to carry breakthrough. I didn't come to Sturgis to get attacked. I came to attack the devil. Drive out sickness. Drive out disease by the power of God. You're the one that's seated with Christ in heavenly places far above. Divine troublemakers. For the, that'd be a great name for a Christian biker club. For the Lord their God is with them. He's been proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them he's as strong as a wild ox. Listen to this now, 23. No curse can touch Jacob. And remember the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, ye are all children of the promise, like Isaac. Like Isaac and then it says that we've received the same promise that Jacob received in Abraham. So when it's saying this about them, it's for you. No curse can touch Jacob. How many curses? How many of you know that there's many Christians that have curses lingering in their lives? Is there? The only curse they'd have would be the curse of ignorance of God's word. The only mountain you'll ever have to move in life is, is your ignorance of the word of God in an area. Like that woman got that mountain removed. She was unclear on healing, never taught. And it didn't take nine years of teachings just a couple, I only preached for like 45 minutes on Daystar. Heard it once, got it rolling in the right direction. Within five weeks, she's out of the wheelchair. Oh, I said, oh, I can be healed. Oh, just believe and confess. Okay, I get it now. That's the mountain you move. You're not fighting some, there's no devil. Devil. What devil can stop a man who's made up his mind to do something? I've been given altar calls to get saved for 21 years. I have never seen somebody lift their hand to get saved, step out in the aisle, and a green being appear in the aisle and push them back in their seat. Once they make up their mind, it's over. There's no thing on earth stronger than a man's will. If you make up your mind, think of this. If you make up your mind to serve the devil, God can't help you. Today I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Oh, that you would what? Choose. Choose life that you and your seed might live. If you choose death, God left the choice to you. But if you choose life, the devil does not have the power to pull you back into sin. I'm just battling the devil. Quit battling him and keep your foot on his head. Why are you battling someone who's already been defeated? You're fighting a defeated foe. The battle's been won. We're not, in the, we're not in the fourth quarter like I heard one preacher say. We're in the fourth quarter of a game. The church is down by two touchdowns, and God wants to see who will win the, win the game. Buddy, the battle got won 2,000 years ago. I'm not trying to get the victory. I have the victory through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, go ahead. Clap your hands one more time. I believe in generational curses. That's why you have one and I don't. 
because you believe in them. You can have them if you're in the devil's kingdom. No curse. What part of that's difficult to understand? No curse. How many curses can touch Jacob? No magic and no divination has any power against Israel. How much magic and divination? Did you know, Jonathan, I heard you're going to Southern California. Did you know that's the head of witchcraft in all of America? Where did you read that? Witches Weekly? Where do these people even get their information? That's the head of witchcraft. Who, who did the study? Where are you getting this from? Where do you hang out with witches? In life, I've had not 99 problems, but a witch ain't one. Amen. And if you caught that reference, shame on you. Shame on the whole lot of you. No magic. Everybody say no magic. Everybody say no divination has any power against Israel. And ye are all children of the promise like Isaac. You know, when you read those articles in the New York Times of how the PLO fires 4,400 rockets into Israel and their iron dome system blows them out all out of the sky. And then the, the PLO terrorists that they interviewed said, even if their iron dome system misses one of the rockets, this is a quote from the New York Times, not charisma. We watch as their God changes the direction of, of the rockets. So they're surrounded by their enemies. They launch rockets at will into Israel, and they never even have to cancel school because no rocket can hit its target. That's a type of the Christian on this earth. You're surrounded by, by, by unholy forces, wicked forces, but they can fire thousands of rockets. We don't have Iron Dome. We have something called the shield of faith that quenches all. Not some. The shield of faith quenches all the fiery darts of the devil. I see every fiery dart of the devil quenched and brought to nothing in your life. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. Number one, demon spirits are not to be ignored. Number two, who is Satan? Go to Isaiah 14. If you're going to talk about somebody, it's important to define who he is out of the Bible. Is he a red, muscular, WWE wrestler character? What does the Bible say Satan is? Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, 9. The Bible talks in both these passages, I'm going to read about somebody called the King of Tyre. But you can read any theology book you want. Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist. This isn't some, something I'm introducing on a Tuesday morning service. That it's a dual prophecy going back and forth between the King of Tyre and Satan. In the place of the dead, verse 9, in hell or Sheol, there is excitement over your arrival. The spirits of world leaders and mighty kings, long dead, stand up to see you. With one voice, they will all cry out, now you are as weak as we are. Your might and power were buried with you. The sound of the harp in your palace has ceased. Now maggots are your sheet and worms are your blanket. You won't read that on too many Christian greeting cards as a scripture. Uh, how? Now here it is, verse 12. Now it goes from Tyree, the dual thing, now to Satan. How you are fallen from heaven. See, the king of Tyree was never in heaven. He's a human. This is talking to Satan. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth. You who destroyed the nations of the world or did weaken the nations of the world or who did make the nations sick. Who's behind the weakening of the United States? Who's behind the, finan the attempted financial collapse? How do you take 40% of everybody's pay and be $30 trillion in debt? Who's behind the weakening? The Bible says the main job of Satan is not, is not to wake people up at night or haunt houses in Mississippi. His goal is to weaken nations. It's you that weaken the nations or destroy the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. But instead, you'll be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Everyone will stare at you in horror. And it's not horror like afraid horror. It's like, oh my, like, like seeing somebody got part of their head blown off in war or something. Stare at them like, the, oh my, like, like reviled horror. They will stare at you in horror. And said, and say, is this the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on its prisoners? People, when they see Satan, aren't going to say, no wonder I couldn't get free from alcoholism. No wonder I couldn't get free from depression. They're going to say, I was praying about you. You are the one that I was worried about. He's not sitting at a table arm wrestling Jesus. Got the wrong picture of Satan, got the wrong picture of Jesus. Satan's got big red muscles and horns. Jesus is like a regular sized guy with the same haircut as Joe Montana in 1985. You think, if you think Satan could pull up a chair and sit with Jesus, you, you got issues. The Bible says he'll destroy him by the breath of his mouth and the splendor of his coming. And again, what's the breath of his mouth? All scripture is God breathed. When you preach the word, you preach, demons will start manifesting and coming out of people without even casting them out. Because it, it's the word of God preached in the spirit of faith. It's the number one weapon of a Christian. Can you say amen? Can you say better amen? Is this the one that did make the nation sick? I was praying about you. When you see the devil, the Bible says when you see him on judgment day, you're going to be horrified at how weak and defeated, not big and strong, emaciated, probably with a caved-in area on his forehead right here. Because God said in Genesis 3, you have bruised his heel, but I will send another who will crush your head. I don't believe Jesus went to the lowest parts of the earth and asked Satan if he could please have the keys. I believe he jacked his head and took the keys out of his hand. And the Bible says, you've bruised his heel. He'll crush your head. You're going to see a person that's been destroyed by the power of God. Somebody, Satan's powers gained by deception. By you thinking you've got a mighty devil and a weak Jesus. But I came to tell you, you have a defeated foe and you have a mighty God whose name is Jesus Christ. The son of the most high God. Ezekiel 28. Subheading on 28 is a message for Tyree's king.
11. Ezekiel 28, 11. Then this further message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyree. Give him this message of the sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. That says the name of the stones, and I can only pronounce about a quarter of them, so I'm just going to read down. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angel. Now, let's not skip over that part. Say this out loud. Satan is a created being. He's not, he's not co-equal with God. He doesn't have God's intelligence. I believe that's what all this AI and NSA tracking of phones the devil is setting up a system for the Antichrist that because he doesn't know everything, he's trying to put a system in place where he can know everything. He can only be in one place at a time. He has limited knowledge. He has no ability to predict the future. The devil doesn't know what's going to happen five seconds from now. The only thing he knows about the future is what's written in the Word. But God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere at once. Can you say Amen. Now, you read the opposite reaction when people behold God on Judgment Day. They're going to this is the one I was worshiping. You know, he's not anorexic on a cross with a frown on his face. The Bible says his eyes are like flames of fire. His hair, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead. But he picked me back up on my feet, hallelujah, and said, behold, I am the living one who died. But look now, I am alive and I live forevermore. And I, I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from the place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. One translation says, lust for your own appearance. That's why anytime you see somebody with lust for their own appearance, they're heading down a satanic road. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look your best. That's what people criticize people out in California for, out in the Midwest and East Coast. Those people are really into themselves. You, like, you could be a little more into yourself, to be honest with you. Nothing wrong with looking your best. No offense to two-thirds of the population that I just insulted. There's nothing wrong with looking your best. But when you start posting eight things on your Instagram story a day, <laughs> Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. I don't understand what that scripture has to do with your rear end, to be honest with you. I, I don't see the connection. And you'll see when people start going down that road, it's a satanic road. When you get obsessed, with, when you can't walk by any reflective surface without checking yourself out, you're going down the devil's road. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> I, li I like it here. You know, I, I've told you how much I've liked it since I got here, and they told me how high the crime is in San Bernardino. But to be honest, even if you were the victim of a crime, what a beautiful place to get robbed, to be honest with you. <laughs> And the whole time the guy had the gun to my head, I'd be like, man, look at those mountains. <laughs> so 
So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. Turn to Luke chapter 10. How many feel the joy of the Lord and the victory of God in this room? Amen. You know, there's a problem when there's a problem when somebody teaches real long on quote unquote spiritual warfare and how, how many know Christians need to understand their enemy. There's a problem when, when two-thirds of the way through the message, this feels like icky. You know, people need to realize we're actually up against a very powerful foe. What, what scripture is that? I don't see Elijah too worried when all the top prophets of Baal and Ashtera, those weren't lightweights, were gathered together to call fire down. He's, he's Don Ricklesing the whole group. Perhaps your God's on vacation. Perhaps he's old and deaf. Perhaps he's out taking a leak. That's what Elijah said. Y'all done? Everybody done cutting themselves? All right, give me a crack at it. 17-second prayer. He calls fire down from heaven then kills all the prophets of Baal and Ashtera. Everybody say practical, effective, spiritual warfare. Benzanita Hosa was starting a church in the north of Nigeria, and they told him all the top witches and witch doctors meet in that forest. He rented a bulldozer and bulldozed their forest. No place to meet. Nothing to pray about. Yeah. That's how guys, that guy started 9,600 churches before he died. So that's why we need to pray. We come against all the powers that are in that forest. No. Anybody got a caterpillar? No prayer needed. And you know, actually, you know what Ben Sinojosa's quote all the time was? God gave you a brain so you could give him a break. He said, I don't pray about things I can take care of myself. Enoch Adeboye doesn't tell the story much. Started 19,000 churches. He went to a part of Nigeria where the people, I'm talking real witchcraft. Anybody seen my assistant, Kofi? You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I've told you point one is you don't ignore it. It's real. Kofi went to northern Ghana to, to preach. No one speaks English there. Nobody. And a witch came to the meeting and started yelling at him in English. Under the power of the devil. What did he do? Be, wow. He cast, what happened? He cast the devil out of her. Congratulations that you learn languages. So does everyone that got Rosetta Stone. Not impressed. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen. You know, got a boy went to this. I'm talking about the kind of witches that when they curse you, you die. They, they, they give somebody a charm. Your womb shrivels up. All that stuff. I know that. But not once the gospel gets there. So Adaboye, who's one of the most like benevolent people, goes to this town to start, the church won't grow. The redeemed Christian church of God, they can't get it to grow. He goes there, there's this warped, ugly tree with all this stuff laying at the bottom. And they said that's where everybody puts their sacrifices to whatever idol's there, to that tree. It's enforced by a witch doctor. Brother, Pastor Adaboye, 70-some years old, said, somebody give me a machete. And he took the machete, now, you're going to realize, I used to read the stories differently when I was like 8 and 14. You know, there was never a time in history where it was okay to do what Gideon did. Just go and start knocking people's religious sites over. If you read it, the whole nation's ticked off the next day. Just went and wrecked every one of their idols by the zeal of the Lord. Who gave you permission to do this? It wasn't like there's just statues, anyone can knock them down. So he comes and takes that machete, and he said, the first whack I gave to the tree, he said, you'd have thought somebody rang a dinner bell for the whole village to come out. People. And the, the, the proverb 
was that if anyone ever touches that tree, they'll die. Well, the tree no one was allowed to touch, he cut it all the way down. And he said, when that tree hit the ground, the witch doctor ran out of the village and no one ever saw him again. And then everyone lifted their hands in the church. You know, they had the service right there. Grew the church. Con confronting. What you don't confront, you'll never conquer. What you don't resist, they didn't pray against the tree, cut it down. Can you say amen? If a robber breaks into your house, you don't pray, you shoot. No. Say this out loud. There's a time for prayer. There's a time for action. Now say this. Prayer can never be used to dodge the action God requires. There's no amount of prayer that will ever make up for preaching. Go ye into all the world and? Man, it doesn't say go ye into all the world and intercede for souls. Though that's, we see the record of that in Acts and it's to be done. But it, it can never. You could intercede for San Bernardino 24 hours a day, seven days a week for nine years. If nobody preaches, nobody will get saved. Because faith doesn't come from, through intercession. Faith comes by? And hearing by the word of God. Somebody preaching that doesn't... Why do you think Baptists have run circles around Pentecostals and Charismatics with church growth in the United States of America? Don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. Because what, what do they do? Get school buses. Start bringing kids in. Start telling them the Bible. Start teaching them Sunday school and the church grows. While the Charismatics, no buses, no invitation strategy. Send them in, Lord. Send them in. God's up in heaven going like this. Go ye! Not send me. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Compel them to come in. And that's what if you've watched our church in Pittsburgh explode, what did the Lord speak to me? Combine the soul winning, the passion for soul winning of the Baptist church, the correct doctrine and commitment to correct doctrine of word of faith, and the fire and passion and coveting of the passion and fire of the Holy Ghost that the Pentecostals have. And if you'll weave that into a threefold cord, your church will be unstoppable. Amen. Great doctrine, commitment to souls, and then once you get them saved, teach the, preach the word of faith. Amen. Tell them about healing. Tell them all the dying muscular dystrophy victims and everything else. Uh, people that can't eat cheeseburgers. People that are uninsured because they vomit up anything they eat. Tell people that Jesus not only set them free from sin, he set them free from sickness and fear and disease and poverty and lack and divorce. God is a good God. Can you say amen? amen? So there's Satan. Now, why does Satan hate you so much? Luke 10. Luke 10. Jesus sent the disciples out. They returned. Luke 10, 17. When the 72 disciples returned, how, what does it say? They what reported to him? You can say it. It's not a trick question. Joyfully. Anytime you see people in ministry that are stern, we, we need to pray. You know, we're, No, you don't need to pray. You need joy. Something's wrong. My dad came back from his meetings as an evangelist for 45 years with happy stories to tell. Amazing things God did. You know, you come back from a meeting like that one in Florida, and that lady gives that testimony. You have the video. We've only been here two days, and we got two videos from here of people that, I mean, major miracles. Woman's deaf ears popping open. Without any prayer, just, just by the preaching. Can you say amen? amen? So your ministry should be a source of joy, not a source of pain. 
we're just really, you know, where we pastor that. No, you have a problem. God doesn't send you anywhere to fail. Amen. You know, where in that church, they don't really, um, they don't really, um, there's a lot of new age there. Who gives a crap? Who cares? Who cares what's there? That's why God sent you to drive it out. That stuff doesn't have power over you. I don't care if God sends you to town and every single person that lives there is a witch. Who cares? That, if someone told me, Jonathan, just so you know where you pastor, that entire township in Pittsburgh, everyone that's there is a registered witch, it wouldn't change one of my strategies. If you're not dealing with witchcraft, then you're dealing with fentanyl. If you're not dealing with fentanyl, then you're dealing with violence, whatever. There's something prominent. They're sinners. They sin. Witchcraft, murder, fornication, they're all sins. And the gospel has power over sin. The disciples came back and joyfully reported. The man who has the largest church in the world, Bishop David Oyedepo, he said, if you ever hear one of my messages and you never hear me laugh in the entire message, throw the tape away. In other words, it wasn't anointed. Something's wrong. Preachers are supposed to be happy. The Bible, not just preachers, the Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. In his presence is fullness of if you watch most churches on live stream, you would think there was a $5,000 penalty if anyone's caught smiling on the platform. <laughs> most churches, if you watch the live stream, it looks like there's someone just off camera with a 45 held to one of their family members' heads. So help me God, you smile, they, they die. It must say happy are the people. Whose God is the Lord? I don't like what's the Joel Osteen start every message with a joke. Yeah, what a what a felony. Someone should arrest him. Everybody say joyfully reported. All the things that were done. You should come out of ministry with stories of victory, not stories of defeat. Man, we've come back. Um, our, how many know our youth took a missions trip to Mexico? You know, we were sick the entire time. Devil was attacking. You can get sick in California. God didn't send you there to get sick in another territory. He sent you there to heal the sick. Can you say amen? amen? People expect that on missions, and so they get what they expect. You know, from the, time, from the time the plane landed on the ground, we could tell the devil didn't want us there. Who cares? Who cares what he wants? <laughs> He's a non-issue. He's, he's the same place today that he was in 2019, and he'll be the same place tomorrow. He's not over my head. He's not eye to eye where I have to contend with him. The devil is where? Under my feet. Everybody say, under my feet. I'm being attacked by Satan. How do you get attacked by someone who's under your feet? What's he doing, punching your arch? People have an eye-to-eye theology about demons. Everybody say, he's under my feet. Came back and joyfully reported all the things that were done. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Did you know no devil was ever cast out of anybody in the Old Testament? Because man didn't have authority over, over demon spirits like we have them now. There was no name of Jesus come out. 
That's why when Jesus started casting demons out, they said, who's this man that even demons obey him? Then that's why the disciples are, are flipped out. Elisha never cast a demon out. Elijah never cast a demon out. The closest thing you see to it in the Old Testament is David would play the harp and the anointing would come in and make an atmosphere conducive where the spirit that was troubling Paul had to leave. But no one ever cast a demon out of anybody. And then Jesus started doing it. Who's this man that even evil spirits obey him? Because evil spirits didn't obey. They didn't have to. But now they are. Now even the disciples are doing it. Even demons obey us when we use your name. Jesus basically says, demons. I saw Satan, their boss, not demons. Demons are under. Demons are the third of the innumerable that, that, that followed Satan out of heaven when he was Lucifer. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Their boss, demons. I saw their boss get thrown like lightning out of heaven. And behold, I give unto you. Unto who? What did he give you? Authority over what? How much? There's a major demonic power in Southern California. Great. I have authority, not over most of it, all of it. You know, it almost, it almost makes me feel like a lot of Christians that get into spiritual warfare, they almost start turning into like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, where they teach you in those religions, if you ever hear anybody speak in tongues, run. You know what that communicates? Now, if I was in those religions, I would actually think to myself, wait a minute. If there's a power that if we come in contact with, we're supposed to run, then that lets me know whatever I'm serving is not, not the, the head guy. Because you don't read any scripture in the Bible. And Jesus told them, now listen, if you ever fight this certain principality, not worth it. Just run. Don't even use my name. No, it says the opposite. And now you hear Christians talk about it. I'm, you know, Lord called us. If the Lord called a person out of Bible school or a pastor to go take a church in San Francisco, they, they'd be... I don't know, you know, we're, we're called there the high crime, and then that's the, that's the headquarters of the LGBT movement. It doesn't matter. You know, people, this will help you if you're in the ministry. People are just people. I was preaching in, in another state. No, it was this state years ago. And a woman, a Christian mother, convinced her son, who was around 30 years old, who was dressed in a dress with full woman's makeup on, on his face, and lived with a man to come hear me preach. Now, I'm going to tell you what I know as a preacher. That guy wanted me to say something for him to get up and storm out, and then now he'd have a new excuse for the next 15 years why he doesn't go to church. Some people come, it's a shame seeing people come here, women's clothes and make, makeup. And so I actually did the opposite. I walked up to where he was at, say, say it was where you are, and I preached, and I cracked a couple jokes here and made him laugh. He, he like, it was the most reluctant laughter I've ever seen. And then I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, I, I like you, glad you're here. And he looked confused. Because <laughs> I did the exact opposite of what I knew the devil wanted me to do. Then I preached. Then I gave the invitation to receive Jesus Christ. I'm gonna tell you whatever spiritual warfare had to be done was done right there. I've never seen somebody have, a, have such a hard time lifting their hand to receive Christ. He literally, I've never seen it before since. Then, then he lifted it, started crying his makeup off. Then I gave the invitation to come forward. Well, I believe in public altar calls. That's what I give. But I also have a bit of a brain 
And I thought, you know, he probably regrets at this point dressing like he dressed. Now I'm going to call him to come out of the crowd and stand, and he's on camera. So I went back to where he was at, and I said, take my arm. And he took it, and I walked him down to the altar. So we walked together. Then we prayed as he continued to cry. I grabbed his hand, the power of God hit him, and he thanked me and hugged me, took my books. I've never been thanked physically like that mother thanked me. You think your son's as good as in hell, living with a man dressed as a woman, and one night hearing the word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and he's at the altar, and, and kicked that guy out and all that stuff. Everybody say practical, effective, spiritual warfare. And say, now before we preach, Father, any spirits of trans, transgenderism that are in here, you know when I preach about Jesus, those spirits already come under, I got a fire on my head. I got a fire in my belly. That fire burns up every spirit that's contrary to God. They can't stay in the same room with me. As soon as Jesus got up to read out of the scroll, a man who was possessed with an evil spirit yelled out, Son, we know who you are. Don't the, he never cursed him. He never took authority over him. What he had, light and darkness can't stay in the same room. Light drives out darkness. Light, listen to me. Light drives out darkness cheaply, for free, and totally. The light of God is not in heaven somewhere. You, Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But after I leave, ye are the light of the world. Somebody say, I got light. And the Bible says, the darkness comprehended it not. And the darkness, John chapter 1, the darkness had no power to extinguish it. Doesn't know what to do with it. Doesn't know how to deal with it, even if it did. Me and the devil are not on the same level. Christ is the head. And we are. The same way Satan has no capacity to attack Christ. If I'm the body of Christ, if Christ's the head and I'm the body, and Christ's the head and you're the body, Ephesians 1 and 2, I'm just being attacked. How? How can Satan attack the body of Christ? When you understand a pre-tribulation rapture, it actually has very little to do with Bible prophecy and most to do with the dominion of the Christian over the devil. How could the Antichrist rise to power if there was any 85-year-old woman that's full of the Holy Ghost? How? How could there be a tribulation where Satan has power over the church? Now, what do you see that Antichrist spirit do? That Antichrist spirit tried to shut the church down. 2020 through 2022, it's pushing ahead of its time. Did it succeed? Did it fail miserably? The only ones, think of this now, the only churches that got affected by it were the ones that bowed. Because the devil threatens, like in Daniel chapter 3, if you don't bow, you'll burn. But what you find out is, if you bow, you burn. Everyone that closed their church down so they could keep their congregation safe and keep their church, where are their congregations and church now? For sale and empty. And the ones that stood, that were told, if you stand, you're going to lose everything. They're huge. Pastor Rodney's church has probably tripled. There's churches in California that went from 600 to 4,000 during that time. Because it's not if you bow, you'll burn. 
It's if you don't bow, you'll burn. It's if you bow, you'll burn. But if you stand with Jesus, you'll never burn. The fire doesn't have capacity to take out the man who's standing on the word of God. And I'm preaching to people like that today. The ones who didn't bow. The ones that stood. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. The victory belongs to you. Somebody shout hallelujah. I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. And look, I have given you authority over all the power of the devil. How much of his power? He's going to give it to you or he gave it to you? There was a, it was Smith Wigglesworth. Heard a loud evil noise in his living room came down from his bedroom, and he said, Stanley Frodgen wrote it, and he, he was no slouch, either of them, that Satan himself was sitting in the chair in my living room. And he said, when I saw how weak and defeated that Satan looked, I said, oh, it's just you, and went back to bed. <laughs> and then he wrote, that from that day, that's what gave him his boldness where he started like punching people that had cancer because he just had no respect for the devil. I saw, he, I, he was trying to scare me. I saw what he looked like. I thought, I'm not praying about you. I want to slap you around for the rest of my life. Can you say amen? amen? How about Lester Summerall when those two demon spirits in the Philippines came in his room and shook the room so violently the bed shook out from the wall to the middle of the room. And he said, you two unclean spirits, go. They both left. Then he saw where the bed was, cockeyed in the middle of the room at three in the morning and said, wait a minute, get back in here. Both spirits came back in and he said, put the bed back. They put the bed right back and got out. That's the dominion of the Christian over the power of the devil. Hallelujah. That same dominion's in you. Yeah. God didn't give it out in levels. It's whoever reads it, believes it, and takes it. Take it by force. Take what's yours. Use what's yours. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and celebrate. May you see this thing breaking loose. I see it busting loose. Shout it out loud, the devil is defeated. Jesus is Lord. You know, I, I've had the privilege. Uh, get on um, West Virginia night three, like I told you last night. I, I want to play that just to make a point. I've had the privilege of being in a few services, not a ton, where we started preaching like this on the power of the devil, have somebody stand up out of a wheelchair before, they're just like, God, oh yeah, okay, I'm not staying bound then. Or people just start, get up and start laying their sin paraphernalia on the altar. Cigarettes, marijuana bags, pills, just during the preaching. I'm done. If this stuff's true, I'm done. That's how, that's how I feel. My people are destroyed, not from devils. My people are destroyed for a lack of. Yeah, they got a big devil and a teeny Holy Ghost. But I got a big Holy Ghost. And a teeny weeny devil. Can you say amen? He's teeny and he's a weeny. Yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Nothing will kill you. Nothing will injure you. 
But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So Jesus actually devalued it twice. Demons obey us when we go, that's great. I saw their boss get his rear end thrown like lightning out of heaven. And behold, I give you authority over all the power of the devil. So he, he devalued it there. And, then, and don't, even, don't even go around. What you told me, it's not even worth talking about. Rejoice that you're citizens of heaven. Everybody say, I'm a citizen of heaven. I brought my Uncle Ted, who's a prophet, to West Virginia. Everybody say, practical, effective, spiritual warfare. One of the weapons that God gave us is the gifts of the Spirit. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Those are weapons that hurt his work. When they're in manifestation, the gifts of the Spirit are the mighty weapons that God's given us that destroy the devil's power. So that's why you realize, you see, people think witches are like, the expression of the devil's power. First of all, the only witches in America are ones that couldn't make it overseas. <laughs> Secondly, they're very low end. I would say a higher form of demonic power that has had success in America is deceiving ministers to be ashamed of the manifestation of the Spirit. And then in buying into those ideas, they have taken away the devil can easily defeat religion. Do you remember when they had that Chaz or Chet, whatever it was, the autonomous zone up in Seattle? Then you'd have people that weren't full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm going to go witness to them. They'd get the snot beat out of them. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he get boom, no power. The devil can easily defeat a, a, a good heart. He is a good heart. He's a nice guy. The devil can defeat that no problem. What he has no answer for is the power of the Holy Ghost. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The things that help us to speak with the power of God. They're a release of the power of God. Um, what's his name? I'm in Indiana. Who's that evangelist that went to Argentina and then went to Russia that I talk about? Tommy Hicks, thanks. Tommy Hicks went to Russia. They give him a, a Russian interpreter. This is in the 60s when American diplomats couldn't go to the USSR. It was called the Iron Curtain. But God spoke to him in Indiana to go pray for General Perón in Argentina. And he did, and General Perón got healed. Evita Perón's father or grandfather, whoever. So then he called his Soviet buddies in the USSR and said, you need to have this guy into your country. Told him what happened. So... He has an auditorium full of people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christianity was illegal. And they give him a Russian interpreter. Well, he's from Indiana. He doesn't speak Russian. Doesn't know any Russian. So he's at the mercy of the interpreter. Well, she's trained in communism. Every time he said, Jesus is Lord, she would say, Stalin is ruler. Every time he would say, God is mighty, she'd say, you know, communism. So it just changed every God part to Stalin, USSR, Soviet, like she was taught. Well, he doesn't know. And he's wondering why the sermon's going over so lousy. And then he said, all of a sudden, I felt to give a message in tongues. And he wasn't going to give it because it's not the time for it. You got an auditorium full of unsaved Soviets, you give a message in tongues. And, and what she, she can't But he said, it, it started coming up out of my spirit so strong I just went for it. And he said, he said the message was going lousy anyway. So he, he goes in tongues. 
So speaking in tongues. As soon as he spoke in tongues, the interpreter put her mic on the stand and ran out of the building. Well, he thought the, the, the manifestation of the Holy Ghost freaked her out. Now he doesn't have an interpreter. He can't even go back into English if he wants to. So, but he doesn't feel to stop. Keeps going in tongues. And all the people in unison stood up in the auditorium, huge auditorium, and came to the altar, crying out in Russian. He called for one of his associates, tell the interpreter to come back so I can lead him in the sinner's prayer. So she comes back up, and he yells at her, not in the mic. What are you doing leaving me on the stage? What do you think I'm paying you for? I don't have any way to communicate to the people. She said, sir, I would have been happy to stay, but you said in perfect Russian, shut up and sit down. That was the Holy Ghost. When he gave the message in tongues, the Holy Ghost told her, shut up and sit down. And then she said, you preached in perfect Russian for the next 15 minutes, telling people about Jesus and the way to God and the people. So what do the weapons of the Holy Ghost do? Even when the devil makes a plan to choke it out, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. But now, now what do you have in America? We don't really encourage speaking in tongues in the sanctuary. There's a lot of new people that don't understand it. That's, why, that's what teaching's for. If I go into a mosque this afternoon, will they alter one thing they're doing because there's a visitor there? No. If I want to join, i got to get on board with them. They don't have to change anything to suit me. And though we reach people for Christ, you better be reaching them with something. If you quote unquote build so many bridges that there's nothing left to have a bridge to, then what have you done? Why does Satan hate the Holy Ghost so much? Because he doesn't know what to do with that power. He could stop Tommy's English sermon. He couldn't stop the Holy Ghost. They can keep a preacher out of public school, but they can't stop the Holy Ghost. They can't stop spirit-filled students. Can you say amen? amen? We had a kid that was at all-night prayer at church, or half-night. We, we stopped at 2 a.m. And, and the mom sent me the picture that her son, son, seven years old, his name's Tristan, went to the grocery store with her that morning on four hours of sleep and said, Mommy, I feel to pray for that lady in the grocery store aisle. B bigger lady by herself, probably in her 50s. He comes over at 7. Talks to her about Jesus a little bit and says, can I pray for you? She said, I would like that. And holds her hands and prays from his seven-year-old heart for her. In Jesus' name, she starts crying and gives him a hug and then tells the mom, you'll never know what this meant to me today. You'll never know what I'm going through. That's a seven-year-old. That's practical spiritual warfare. That's not praying over the city. That's going and finding people in the aisles and telling them about Jesus and praying for them. Now, we're not going to release one seven-year-old that does that out of this meeting. California will never recover from the power that God's putting on the inside of you. You're going to leave here. You, I declare you are the principality in Southern California. You are the strong man of California. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Vocal gifts. There was another evangelist that I know a little bit. He was preaching at, a, at an Assemblies of God church in Pennsylvania. Big, big Assemblies, used to be big Assemblies of God church. You turn on the Holy Ghost, you're going to be used to be big. Mark it down. 
You do church at the movies, your building's going to be for sale soon. We need to draw people, you know, so we're using movies. Movies don't even fill movie theaters anymore, genius. Nothing draws like the Holy Ghost. They all heard the loud noise and came running and said, what meaneth this? But church wasn't birthed with a movie show. It was birthed with an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, signs and wonders. And that's the blueprint. That's the only thing that's going to work in America. Can you say amen? amen. Tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Discerning of spirits, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Lester Summerall said he was in a meeting in the Midwest when he was a young evangelist and they were having a prayer meeting on Sunday night. Back when churches had Sunday night church, 6 p.m. So they all sit there and start praying. It was a custom. In fact, in Spanish Pentecostal churches, it still is a custom. That if you have, I always wondered why Adonis' uncle always had me preach every time I went to church. And he'd be like reluctant. We have an event. The custom was if you had a traveling minister coming through, you'd have him preach. So this lady comes, nice dress. She's got a guy with her in a suit. I'm an evangelist. I'm coming through. Would you allow me to do your Sunday night service and receive an offering for an orphanage that we have? The pastor said, sure. Super well-dressed lady. So he has her up, introduces her. Everyone, we just had a, a visiting missionary come that, uh, that has asked if she, she has a word from the Lord that she'd like to share. I'm going to turn the service over to her and passes her the microphone. Lester Summerall said the old lady that was sitting next to him never opened her eyes. Oh, no one's going to see me if I sit there. She never opened her eyes. As soon as that woman took the mic, she blurted out, Thou hast said you're a missionary from St. Louis, but you are a whore from this city, and you've conspired to deceive the people of God. And today the Lord lays his hand of judgment upon you. And listen, someone said before she could get to that part, the lady and the guy that was with her ran out the back. They found out later she was a prostitute, and she told her pimp, I grew up in Pentecostal churches. Those people are stupid. If I go tell them I'm a missionary and take an offering for an orphanage, We'll make more money tonight than you will pimping me out. So let's, do, let's, let's try it my way. And he agreed, and she fooled the church. She fooled the pastor, but you can't fool the Holy Ghost, who's the head of the church with Christ. That's called discerning the spirits. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, revelatory gifts. Those are weapons the devil doesn't know what to do with. Our accountant was embezzling money from the church and we never saw it. You need to get in the Holy Ghost. And when somebody on your staff, something doesn't feel right anymore, get rid of them. You don't have to tell them why. You know, I don't feel. Just dismiss them. Give them like a cake from Dairy Queen. Thank them for their service, all that stuff. Pay attention when you don't feel right on the inside about somebody. And you know what people would tell me when I was growing up in church? Even if you feel that way, you need to wait till something happens that confirms it. Then what's the point of getting the heads up? If God speaks to me that there's a man lingering around the children's ministry that has an unclean spirit, I don't wait till he molests a kid to kick him out. Sir, there's a service going on. Why are you, why are you hanging out in the lobby? Have a seat or leave. That's our policy at church. 
What are you doing? There's a church that's going on. You're, you feel like hanging around by yourself by the kids' ministry? I'm not a stupid Christian. There are many, but I'm not one. That's been a 2,000-year problem. Jesus said, oftentimes the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Be ye harmless as doves, but... And most Christians get an A plus in harmless as doves and an F in, in wise as serpents. He has a good heart. Good. Tell his cardiologist. Not interested. I'm interested in fruit. I, 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 I pay attention to how I feel in my spirit. And when you have continual fasting and prayer in your church, it drives out people that are sent. You know, everybody is not a sheep. Jesus, the master pastor, the great shepherd, said there's wolves, sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. And no amount of prayer can turn a wolf into a sheep. If you don't believe me, go to the woods and try. So not everybody that comes into your church is sent to help or is sent to be converted. Some people are sent to destroy the church. Like that woman was. If you'd have let her go, she'd have taken God's offering money and used it on God knows what. But if you'll pay attention to the Spirit and you'll keep people around you that are full of the Holy Ghost. If I preach stuff that's being preached on Sunday mornings, like some of these young churches with 40-year-old pastors, it's like they're having a blasphemy contest to see who can out-blaspheme each other every Sunday. If I said one of those things one time, I'd have a call from a Tampa area code with an irate South African on the phone telling me, clean up your act. I'm going to fly up to Pittsburgh and have this conversation in person. Can you say amen? They don't have anybody over them. People just give everybody a pass. If you can draw a crowd, you can raise an offering, you do whatever you want. But people aren't in charge of the church. Jesus is in charge of the church. Everybody say special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. Those are the power or action gifts, God moving through you. So to show you practical, effective spiritual warfare, I want to tell you two things. I told you why, God, God, why uh, Satan hates the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you why Satan hates you. One of the reasons he hates you, the main reason, if you're a believer. What was Satan? There's uh, three archangels in the Bible. Gabriel, who's in charge of messaging. Michael, who's in charge of warfare. And the third one's name was Lucifer, who's now Satan. He wasn't in charge of warfare. He wasn't in charge of messaging. He was in charge, essentially, of running the daily devotional services in heaven. He ran the music and the adoration of God in heaven. He was in charge of the praise services in heaven. And then, like many worship leaders, he said, I, don't, I can do what the main guy's doing, actually. I will ascend and be like the most high God. You ever notice how many worship leaders, after they lead worship for a little while, go out and start their own church or go out on a tour by themselves with no pastor? It's the same satanic trap. A musician is a helps gift. They're not to go do concerts with no pastor. Then it comes out. They were uploading photos of their ding-dong on Instagram or they had a woman on the side because it doesn't work. You need a pastor over you. You're not a performer. You're a helps gift. If you disconnect from church and pastors, it's over. Can you say amen? So that's what, uh, that's what Lucifer did. The Bible, we just read it. I will ascend and be like the most high God. And as soon as he thought that, God threw him out of heaven. So if you've ever lost a staff member, so has God. God's not up in heaven beating himself up about it. Maybe I should have spent more time with him. No. 
Judas spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ in person and got demon-possessed. So you don't beat yourself up because, man, this guy was on staff with me, ended up on drugs. Yes, Jesus had it happen. God the Father had it happen. People are free to do what they want. And there's people that could be with Christ on a daily basis and would still choose to sin. Can you say amen? A minister can only speak the word. You do invest in people as the Spirit leads. But you can't stop. You can't make everyone live right any more than God can make everybody live right. Humans are free moral agents. Satan gets cast out of heaven. And then God, from that day, made a plan to replace Satan. His plan from that point forward, you have bruised his heel, but I will send another, Christ, the second Adam, who will crush your head. The firstborn, the Bible says, of many brethren. And Christ raised up the church. Presbyterian catechism book, Catholic catechism book, any theology book you want will all tell you. The purpose of man. Man was created for one purpose. To give adoration, thanksgiving, and praise to God. Because the only thing God can't do is thank and praise himself. You'll never read any verse in the Bible, and God thanked himself, and God gave himself praise. But you will read, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord, and that if you stop giving praise, even the what? The rocks will cry out. So what happened? Satan is essentially, I'm quoting John Osteen, Joe's father. Satan is an unemployed angel. He was in charge of the praise services. He got kicked out. Now he just makes trouble. And who replaced him? The church, me, and you are the replacement angel. We took his job. Now we give him praise. And it makes him angry. That's why Dr. Fauci's main thing, you can't have more than 10 people. No singing, no instruments. He hates seeing you do what he was called to do because he lost that job. But guess what? I made up my mind like David made up his mind. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. He ransoms me from death. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Let everything that has breath. Go ahead, make a joyful noise. Remind God that he still has an army in California. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the sound of the armies of the Lord. Hallelujah. Why so? Why so downcast, oh my soul? I will rejoice in God my Savior. Every attack the devil launches against you is essentially designed to do the same thing. Get you to shut up, get you sad, get you not praising, get you to quit taking Satan's job. That's what Satan, I'm sick of hearing you people. Did you ever wonder why demon-possessed people come into a, a hot Holy Ghost meeting? My Uncle Ted will be preaching. R.W. Schembach would be preaching. And some demon-possessed person would come out and off the street and manifest. I'd think, buddy, if I was a demon... I would have gone somewhere else. This, you, you literally came to the only place you could get cast out. Somebody asked, let's just summarize that question. 
Why do demons come to Holy Ghost meetings? Because they used to know the presence of God. And sometimes they'll come in, he said, to warm themselves by the fire. They get drawn into powerful meetings because they want to they know what they used to know, but they can't know it. And then when the fire gets too hot, they can't remain mani- unmanifest anymore. They cry out because that holiness butts up against their wickedness, and it cries out of the man. That's why anytime you preach or minister, if there's a demon-possessed person, if the demon says, I'm not coming out, you say, you don't have enough power to cast me out, you say, then why are you manifesting, you dummy? Just the fact that you spoke up, let me know that the fire's too hot for the snake to stay in the woods. Hallelujah. And the same power that exposes you, drives you out, and burns you up in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan hates you because you took his job. And that's why there's power in praise. Paul was in prison. He prayed. Nothing happened when he prayed. And then he sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard him. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. The chains of every prisoner fell off and every prison door was open. Praise is a warfare. You hear a lot of intercessors, they're the most depressed people you'd ever meet. Come against you, Satan. Like, uh... you know, let me tell you something. Here's a novel theology. Prayer is not talking to Satan. Prayer is talking to God. There's not one prayer in the New Testament that addresses Satan. Sorry to ruin your whole ministry. Satan, we bind you. Satan, we, we tell you right now. I'm not talking to the devil. It's too small to be talked about. I told you they were having that satanic convention in Boston. A pastor from Massachusetts texted me, can you take time in your all night prayer to pray against this convention? I texted back, not worth praying about. You saw what I posted on Instagram when I played it for you yesterday. 98 people that had gift cards to Hot Topic all got together, ripped one Bible up. They ripped a Bible up. Boy, are they going to be disappointed when they find out we printed more than one. Rip the Bible up, whatever else. You know, there's nobody there. There's nobody there. It's a failure. If Christians didn't do their marketing for them, there would have been less people there. We need to pray against this thing that's happening at Boston Copley Place. Here's the promo. Here's where you register. Thanks. You know, it's, it's almost like people, I don't even think half the evil that's produced is produced by evil people necessarily. It's pr- Hear me out. Or at least not produced to be evil. They've realized that if they do something offensive enough to Christianity, then everybody gets worked up and does all their marketing for them. So you produce some small independent movie with a $900,000 budget that mocks Christ and every Christian with a... Do you hear this new movie that's coming out? May, uh, May 28th in theaters everywhere. Can you believe? And they know that if they do something like that, because anybody, I mean, I'm, I'm in the, I don't need to tell you, I'm in the entertainment capital of the world. The hardest thing about getting a movie produced is even if you have a million, say I had a million subscribers on, on YouTube, and I'd make a movie for 10 bucks that you download, and I get 10% of my followers, 100,000 to do it. That's a million dollars. No one's going to approach me to make a movie for a million dollars. That's what we're going to make. But if you can get cross-marketing where other groups start marketing it to their people, now you, you, you've hit something in the marketing. Well, they've realized that all these bozo Christians will do all their marketing. You know, I I made a point not to watch the Grammys. But thanks to all my Christian friends on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I saw every satanic thing at the Grammys because it was all in my feed from Christians. 
Can you believe this? Yes, I can believe it. They're sinners. They sin. Can you say amen? amen? Quit letting the devil jerk you around like you're on a little leash. We need to pray about this. We need to pray. No, I don't need to. I need to do what the Lord's spoken to me to do. I don't get my direction from what the devil's doing. I get my direction from the Holy Ghost. We need to pray against this movie. For what? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a Twitter account and an Instagram account called Christian Nightmares. They mock Christians. And their Instagram page got taken down. And this is what I wrote to them. And I, I wasn't being sarcastic either. I actually wrote not being sarcastic. Because I'm sarcastic a lot. People never, I'll say, I'm the only person I say, nice haircut, nigga, shut up. <laughs> no, I was actually complimenting. Let me find it. So he wrote, Instagram deleted my account and its community of 175,000 smart, funny people for reasons that are incredible murky, incredibly murky. And I wrote to him, I'm very sorry this happened to you. Not, not sarcastic. I despise any and all censorship. It's wrong. I hope it's restored soon. You think that Twitter account's going to change anything I'm doing or hurt me? Do you know the last time Right Wing Watch retweeted something I, I was saying that I was going to have a big Easter service during COVID and kill everybody? I can't remember how many, not people that got saved only, people that got saved and partnered with our ministry because they started listening and they actually had a distrust for the government too even though they didn't like Christians. Listen to me and like, no, he's on to something. Then they listened more and got saved. Then they listened more and partnered. So I wrote back to them, please retweet more of my clips. Every time you do, I make more money. And they left me alone. We didn't come against them. And we, we didn't. No, I'm not trying to get movies banned. I'm for freedom. We're not trying to turn this into a Christian version of Pakistan where you kill and burn down everything you don't agree with. Can you say amen? amen? Stop focusing on what the devil's doing. You took his job. Now, watch this. Everybody say practical, effective, spiritual warfare. That's how unbothered I am by the devil and people who mock. They don't, when I say I don't care, I don't mean like a petulant teenager. I don't care. I mean like I really don't care. People are free to say what they want. I believe in freedom of speech. It's other people that have to ban Christianity because on the market of free ideas, Christianity wins. Christian nations don't have to ban Islam. If you put Islam next to Christianity, there's nobody that, that doesn't want to go to church. You know, I gave an altar call in Philadelphia. There were a, bunch of, a lot of Muslim women there. It was 97 degrees, and they were all wearing black burqas. I said, now think, if you were to receive Christ, you can take off that black and wear shorts and a t-shirt. Three of them went like this. And came to the altar. Yeah, we don't vilify it. We'll let you drive. We'll let you vote. Can you say amen? You can have prosciutto. Many side benefits of being a Christian. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Yeah, it's other religions that have to ban Christianity. Now you think how powerful what we have is. I was telling a young man, Last night, he was wearing a Real Madrid shirt, and I said, look, it has the new logo, because Real Madrid had the Madrid sign with the cross on the top of the crown, 
and it was bought by a Middle Eastern conglomerate, and they took the cross off. Did you know in the Middle East, when Swiss Airlines lands, you know the Swiss flag, red with the white cross? They make the planes turn the light off on the tail so that they don't have to look at the cross. Now, this is where I kind of separate from almost all Christians. I don't see 666 and like, oh my, in the name of Jesus. No, there are three numbers. The Antichrist isn't going to pop out of it and choke me. If he popped out, I'd choke him. Can you say amen? My grandma took me to McDonald's when I was a little kid. I was seven. My sister was four. We were coming home from church. She ordered us two Happy Meals, and she got a vanilla cone. And this is back in the 80s. It came to $6.66. I'm telling you, when the 666 popped up on the digital screen, my grandmother, you'd have thought the Antichrist was, gonna, was Ronald McDonald. She went, quick, Jonathan, order something else. Your symbols don't have, you know what that's actually a symbol of? Do you know what this, that um, company that just launched, if you look at their logo, it's actually a symbol of, of the, the Greek demon god. What, why do you study that so much? Those symbols don't have any power. But I'll tell you something that does have power. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to we that are being saved, we recognize it as the very power of God. I promise you right now, if I went to go to my car out back and some Satanist or whatever found out we were having this meeting here and they were all there and chanting and saying the F word, and I'd blow, I, on my way to my car I would go like this. I want to pray against them. There's nothing to pray about. You know, the biggest insult you can pay someone is to pretend they don't even matter. And they, but in this case, I'm not pretending. You don't matter. You wish you mattered. You wish I'd retweet you. You don't matter. You're of no issue. Nunca feo, idiota. No problemo, señor. Can you say amen? You remember when Michael Corleone and Godfather won? Uh, just saying that is already like the worst illustration ever given by a preacher in church. Remember when he wants his sister to break up with that guy and he won't even talk to the guy? The guy's sitting right next to him. He goes, I want you to tell him that he's not right for you and that you won't even look at him, won't respond to anything that he says. You're too little. You're out of here. I'm Michael Corleone. You're just some salesman or whatever. I'm head of the mafia. Now, if you, as head of the mafia, can speak to a salesman like that, a Christian, the lowest believer is realms higher than the highest demon. True or false? True. Scripturally, true or false? True. true. But I don't feel like it. That's your problem. But Jonathan, I know you said it, but sometimes I feel oppressed. My people are destroyed for a lack of? You go by how you feel. The Bible says we walk by and not by. I don't care if I feel anointed. I like feeling the anointing a lot. But if I feel unanointed, I'm anointed anyway. Because the Bible says in 1 John, I have 
an anointing from the Holy One that dwells with me always. I'm anointed when I sleep. I'm anointed on Rosh Hashanah. I'm anointed on Passover. I'm anointed on St. Patrick's Day and Flag Day. I'm anointed on no matter what day it is on the Jewish calendar or the American calendar. I'm anointed with fresh oil, not by the calendar, not by seasons. I have an anointing from Jesus that'll be with me forever. And so do you. If you receive that one more time, clap your hands, all ye people. Give the Lord a mighty shout. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise. Now, this final video I'm going to show you. I'm showing you the proof of my theory. Practical, effective spiritual warfare. This town called Clarksburg, West Virginia, had the highest fentanyl overdose rate in the country at the time. And uh, my uncle, there's only 16,000 people in the town. I, had, I preached for a week. We had 2,000 some people get saved. And then for, we extended it week two, and I had my uncle Ted come for two nights. And I wanted him to demonstrate to all these freshly saved people, and of course more people got saved, I wanted them to see the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And my Uncle Ted's, I played a clip of his last night, it was powerful. I want you to watch, I preached, he exhorted a little and then went into the flow of the gifts. As the Holy Spirit manifested, watch the devil just lose hundreds of captives without any effort. Now we come against the spirit of fentanyl. I'm already coming against it by preaching there. Can you say amen? Go ahead and roll the clip. Stand on your feet, everybody. Give the Lord another great big hand clap on this awesome Tuesday morning service. Lift your hands and close your eyes. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for authority that you've given unto the church, which is your body. Thank you for mighty men and women of God in California. The devil thought he could take them out, but here they stand looking handsome and pretty. He couldn't touch them. They came through with the victory, like gold refined in the fire. Now these three years, 2023, 2024, 2025, this three-year window you've given for the church to have explosive growth, to run roughshod over the power of the devil. I thank you that every person who's here will be a partaker of that in Jesus' name. Any injury or setback or defeat they've taken in life during that harsh attack against California and against Californians, I thank you that you restore them, everything that was lost and more. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, thank you for refreshing. Thank you for victory. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for it and give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. In Jesus' name. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, but put your hands down. If you're here this early afternoon and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The way things are going in the world, I wouldn't even wait till the seven o'clock service. I would give my life to the Lord today. Maybe there was something that just clicked in the message today. Or while the word was going out, the Lord drew, drew you in from your spirit. Get rid of sin. Don't let sin get rid of you. Make Jesus Christ your Lord. There's no chain that hell has forged that the blood of Jesus can't break. There's nothing the enemy's wrapped around you that you don't have the opportunity right now to just leave at the altar and be done with it today. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I want to get on the right track. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to turn my back on sin. I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. And I want to do it right now. I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. No hands here. If you're online and you watched and you'd like to do that, I want you to contact what's at the bottom of the screen. Get in touch with my office. There's people there to call right now. Good people, not weird people. Anointed Christians that pray. So if you call that number, somebody's going to pray with you. If you have trouble getting through, leave a message. Someone will call you back. Then please do a second thing. Go to RevivalToday.com and click the most prominent button on the homepage. It says, I just got saved. If you'll fill that out completely, I'll send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, welcome to the family of God. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.